Welcome to Beating Cancer Daily. Beating stage four cancer for 30 years still takes my breath away every time I say it. I'm Saren, founder of the Comedy Cures Foundation, and I hope you'll join me for just a few minutes daily for the next 365 days so we may laugh, learn, maybe cry a little as we live our best days beating cancer daily together. Something in my heart gets so happy and big when I get to talk to comedian Missy Hall and now breast cancer survivor Missy Hall on beating cancer daily. I just feel like I'm with a sister Every time, Missy, you come back to beating cancer daily. I feel it makes me weepy. I feel the same way. I feel the same way. And it's so strange to think that is something that is so horrible, right? Brings us together in such a beautiful way. Like I I just, I love that. I love how those situations in our lives just make us cross paths with our people. And it's beautiful. Yeah. If you're open, you know, a lot of people shut down when they're given a cancer diagnosis. I opened up to the world. I made myself very vulnerable and very visible, but you know, you may not feel that way. You may feel that you want to pull the covers over your head. I started the Comedy Cures Foundation, my first chemo treatment to bring comedians like Missy and therapeutic humor and play to my fellow patients. The Comedy Cures Foundation has grown into a global charity helping people around the world. And the same thing with this podcast, like it started because some patients asked if I would speak to them and teach them on a daily basis. I didn't even know that I could talk for 365 days, <laughs> but you're helping. If you haven't heard the little mini series with comedian Missy Hall, we take you through her cancer diagnosis all the way through to survivorship on a weekly basis. And so Missy's episodes are like a longer form beating cancer daily, but like a little mini series within the overall 365 days of beating cancer daily. And Missy, it's just so fun. And I have a topic that I wanted to talk to you about because you were just given your one-year scan and you did get very good news. And yeah. I think that there's this moment, this vulnerability, but also this exciting moment of how do you set a new normal and how do you really embark on survivorship when you've just been through the craziest year of your life? Yes. It's so interesting because the difference in feeling before getting the clean scan and getting in the car and coming home, even though I felt like everything was going to be okay, getting that confirmation was just huge. And it's, I love that you say moving forward into survivorship because the trajectory and landscape of life have changed forever. But I think in some very, very healthy ways. So now instead of 
thinking of survivorship and just treating myself as a person who's had cancer and making sure I can do everything to do. It was very cancer centric. I want to make sure cancer can't come back, blah, blah, blah. And I, of course, I still feel that way. But what's happened is my vision is much broader. I'm thinking of health and wellness. I'm not just thinking cancer. When I'm going to the physical therapy that I need to do for some courting and things of that nature, I'm almost, I'm not thinking of it as related to cancer anymore. I'm like, it's something that I've got to help my body through. And it's a very, very different feeling. And it's not the first thing I'm thinking about when I wake up anymore. That's huge because I think just as a stage four survivor, there are a lot of people who struggle with that morning depression and that morning terror of, is the cancer growing? Is it coming mm -hmm. back? Is this treatment working? And a lot of the episodes of Beating Cancer Daily are really about strengthening your mindset so that you can have the best quality day and not be overrun by the logistics of cancer, by the mental gymnastics of cancer. Like, how do you have a life, even if you still have to go through cancer treatment or have follow-ups or take post-treatment medicines that might give you pain or soreness? It's such an interesting concept. Survivorship and thrivership, as some people call it, is just, in my opinion, the thing that I wanted to pinpoint was how we use our comic perspective to do it. Both Missy and I do comedy, write it and perform it. I do it more targeted specifically for people living with illness, depression, trauma, and disabilities. Missy is a working public comedian and corporate comedian. And she also does a lot of charity events and audience uh, specific events like for the Comedy Cures Foundation. But I just want to know, Missy, have you exhaled? I have. I have. And it. I even said to my husband, I was like, oh, I, there's a moment. I was like, every once in a while, I get this moment where I just feel like me. And it is the exhale is the perfect word for it. I, I don't think anybody can recognize when you're in that cancer bubble that you try not to think about, but you, it's just all pervasive. You carry it so heavily and you do, you, your breath is shorter, all of the things as you're managing that. And then suddenly I'm like, okay, it's been a year. My mammogram was clean. I'm taking the meds. I'm doing the work. I'm okay. Like I'm okay. I, this day, I don't really have to think about cancer today. I have to take my medication. I have to pay attention to how I'm treating my body to keep everything going strong, but I don't actually have to think about cancer. And that just feels like I can feel my shoulders visibly settle. And it's so much better than it was <laughs> pre-exhale. It's interesting because I think 
why the patients asked for me to teach this podcast is because I figured out a way to compartmentalize it so early on that I did the business of cancer. I did everything I had to do, but every minute that was not focused on the logistic of it, I fiercely defended that part of my life and of my psyche, of my emotions, of my mind. And that was my life, my joy. It Cancer was not allowed to enter that world. And if you haven't heard the episode, Not This, Not This, it is such a powerful tool to use to get that cancer chatter and that cancer tape compartmentalized so that it isn't everywhere around you. You don't have to wait until the end of your treatment to exhale. Some of you might not ever get that moment, but you can teach yourself to exhale throughout every day, throughout every moment, so that you just keep reducing that that burden, that cancer burden that follows you while you're going through. You said the bubble, I'll call it an ecosystem, a journey. There are ways if you practice a lot of these episodes and you really go into the strategies and techniques, you can really learn how to tame that monkey. And it is a monkey. Cancer can be an unbelievable monkey. And I have nothing against monkeys. My mom actually had a pet monkey. (laughs) I'm telling you, my mom had a pet monkey. I have nothing against monkeys. (laughs) But it is, it's incredible, Missy, to hear that just so shortly after that first clean scan that you are reclaiming so much of your life so that cancer is a story in your journey and not everything about your journey. Do you think comedy helped you do that? Comedy has helped a lot because I have had a lot of airtime to get to process, right? I've gotten to process aloud. I have gotten to have conversations like after shows with strangers, women coming up to me. So I've been able to be of service for others while I was doing this. And I, and I don't think that's an accident. So you chose to be very frontal about it. And it's interesting because I talk to people and I did an episode about it called drive by cancer with people who don't tell anyone Mm -hmm. they carry this all by themselves. And I'm not judging it. I'm only saying that for my personality would not have worked. So I had to talk about it. I had to share it. I had to figure out a way to give back while having it. And now all these decades later, and it's interesting because you chose to be very outward with your cancer journey too. Do you ever regret that? No, I don't. Every once in a while, just every now and then I will think, wow, did I make a mistake, right? Because sometimes I won't be thinking about 
my cancer and everybody who sees me, I get a lot of how are you? And I forget. Oh, wait, wait, wait. The how are you with the frown? The how the are you with the, 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 the lines and the lines. And the how <laughs> are you? And while it's so wonderful, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot it. I, and I was like, I'm fine. I was like, oh yeah. And then you get the cancer hug. Um, <laughs> and here's the thing is, People are being lovely, but I'm like, oh, wow. Did I put a burden on the room, right? Gotcha. Did I put a burden on the room by bringing this, bringing this to the table? Do you uh, think there are job repercussions? Do you think that people are afraid to hire you because you had cancer? I, and it's interesting that you ask that because I've had comics with a cancer diagnosis call me and be like, why did you decide to go public? Did you lose gigs? Blah, 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 blah. I won't know. I won't know that for a long time, whether it's had an effect on that. I will say I've posted clips of some of my bits that are about my cancer journey online for the world to see. I do them on stage. I've also made sure as I'm sending out videos for potential gigs that aren't corporate where it would be something, a targeted audience, like for cruise ships and stuff, I've made sure I'm sending clips that don't address the cancer. I understand that. I always say to comedians who contact me, I say, do like a set that's cancer and patient and survivor specific, because there are so many audiences in the cancer world and hospitals and research that would really want to hear that material and then usually depart from it and then get just really good comedy, but have a good, strong cancer-related set because it opens up a lot of shows that normally people, you know, wouldn't go to you for, but then have a recorded set that has nothing to do with cancer whatsoever, for sure. Yes, and I'm making sure it's important to me for it to be, Online, I made the conscious decision. Yes, I'm just that little two minute clip or whatever. But for actual submissions, unless it's particularly valuable, I'm doing it without it. Because it's not only whether an audience might not be interested in that. It's also, I don't want people to think that I'm going to be sick six months from now and they can't hire me. Right. Right. Because that people have a lot of perceptions. We all know movie cancer. Yes. I just watched one last night. I watched All American. I love sports movies and sports documentaries. And it's the story of the famous Longhorn, Texas Longhorn safety. And I just really, I didn't know it was a cancer story. And I turned to my husband, you get that little chill in the back of your neck that knows yeah. I know where this is going. Yes. Yeah. And I'm not ready for those kinds of movies yet. Like I'll be listening to an audible book on my way to a show and everything's going fine. And then boom, the breast, the best friend gets cancer. I'm like, I can't. I yeah. Yeah. And you might never, I actually used it strategically when I wanted to have the pity party for myself every day, the episode pity party, when I just want to have a good cry in the morning and get all of that emotion out or that fear maybe around cancer that I had, 
I would watch terms of endearment, like the saddest part. And that would immediately cause me to cry. And that would immediately get out all that emotion. And then boom, put it in a box and go on with my day. So watching something really horribly sad about cancer is a super quick way to emote fear and sadness if you just want to purge it and get it out. And the pity party can be used in a very strategic way to unburden you on a daily basis so that you aren't carrying around all of that fear, pain, anxiety, frustration, fatigue. It's a very cool episode. I love that episode. I absolutely love that episode. So just from a comedy point of view, I was trying to think about how would I write a set about exhaling? If I wanted to sit down and teach this concept, because I do so many workshops with patients and with healthcare workers and caregivers, if I wanted to use this concept of exhale and then make it funny and exaggerate it and put it in to a comedic context. How would I do that? And the first thing that came to mind, and then I want to hear what you're thinking. The first thing that came to mind was how people make you do all this breathing, this technical breathing. And I can never remember how many in, how many to hold it for, how many out. I have to like always look that up. I don't know why I can never remember that. It's probably very intuitive, but I thought maybe that might be a fun source of humor. Also exaggerating exhale. What's the right amount of exhale? There could be some physical comedy with that. What do you think? There's some of it when they, especially when they're just let's like, I had just a regular doctor's appointment and they're like, okay, just breathe normally. I'm like, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> and then, yeah. That's funny. That's funny. That's yes. funny. Do we really breathe normally? We're all rushing and tense and stressed yeah, out. I don't know how to do that. I'm also picturing just dancing across the stage, going, just telling everyone I'm fine. No one's asking. I just need everyone to know. <laughs> I look at the guy delivering the mail. I'm like, hey, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> That's actually a fun t-shirt for a survivor or a fun hat. It's just yeah. like a billboard that yep. they don't even have to ask. You know, what Missy and I are doing is just the really basics of a writer's room, like yes. where we sit around with another writer. We have a premise or a concept that we're thinking about that we might not have fully developed or developed at all. And we'll just chat, but just throw things out there without judgment without it having to be perfect. What a lesson to teach people that you don't have to be perfect, right? Oh, absolutely. One of the things that I love for people to have license with is practicing a joke or something. They'll say, well, I want to try it. You're a comedian. You're not going to find it funny. I'm like, you don't know that I'm not going to find it funny. And we all need, I've always called it screw up time. Like my background is musical theater. So I am not a gifted dancer at all. So I would have to do choreography. I'm like, okay, don't correct me yet. I need my screw up time. You need to be able to do these things without fear or being self-conscious. Did you give that to your daughter growing up? Screw yes. up time? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's important for all of us to know that 
if you wait for something to be right or perfect before you get it out, you're going to be holding a lot in and judging what we say ourselves. Like everybody's like, oh, I was afraid to say something. I thought it would sound terrible. I'm like, no, no, no. So I made sure that my daughter knew that whatever came out was fine. Even with well, the just- creative process is so iterative, right? Yes. The first day my daughter was on her professional writing job. I've talked about her. She's a writer producer in Hollywood. And she was on the show Prodigal Son with Catherine Zeta Jones, Michael Sheen, Tom Payne, Lou Diamond Phillips, Bellamy Young. And her very first day, of course, she wanted her writing to be perfect. And the executive producer came to her and said, Look, writing is rewriting. You've got to free yourself of this perfection. This piece is going to get rewritten with notes so many times because network's going to have an opinion. The studio's going to have an opinion. The actors are going to have an opinion. The director's going to have an opinion. There are going to be so many people weighing in on this. So you need to just get out your first best iteration and then we go to work. And that freed that child. I just have to tell you, oh now it's all about rewriting. And I took that because I'm a perfectionist, right? So I took that to heart. And the other statement someone made to me was when I was starting the charity and I was creating the brochure and I was obsessing because I have OCD about every single letter and word. Someone said to me, get out good, Saren. Your good is better than most people's perfect. And if you hold on to this, so many people who need this comic perspective and need to play and need to laugh and need your wisdom are not going to have it and they're going to be suffering. So get out good. And getting out good Love that. is one of the Is that amazing? That is amazing. And one of the things, and it sounds like you do it and I know I do it. We hold ourselves to different standards than we'd hold somebody else. If somebody gave me a piece of writing or something that wasn't perfect, I'd be like, okay, this is great. Let's do this, this, and this. But if I'm on the writing end of it, like sending out a blog or something, I don't give myself that same grace. That um, word grace, that is it. And I find this so common in the chemo room when I'm talking to fellow cancer patients the common theme among people in that room is type A personality and then not giving ourselves slack or grace. Yes. And that's huge. That is absolutely huge because we treat ourselves very differently than we do other people. I agree with you. I think part of healing, beating stage four cancer and healing. When they told me to get my affairs in order, there was nothing more they could do. I think rewiring that part of myself was so critical in creating a space to really allow healing. A therapist told me, you've all heard, treat your neighbor as you treat yourself. And she's like, I want you to think of this. Treat yourself as you treat your neighbor. Mike, drop. Mike, drop, Missy. You just said it all. 
You just said it all. Mic drop is like when a comedian is so brilliant, like no one else wants to follow that comedian (laughs) because they've just left it all on the stage and taken the audience to such a height. And it's usually because they've done comedy that is very unique and personal to them, but they've made it accessible for the room. And then you really get to know that performer. That's like a mic drop performance. And what you just said was like, okay, episode's over. Yep. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> if that's the one thing that some AI chatbot picks out yes. as the number one thing to take away from this episode, yes. it's that. Oh, that's so beautiful. You know what? I am going to end it on that. Okay. I just think that is just such a beautiful thing for us to walk away with. I'm so glad that you're learning how to exhale. I'm just so glad that cancer isn't tyrannical morning, noon, and night in your mind, body, and spirit, and that you are learning how to really have the best life possible post all that cancer treatment. I love you, girl. I love you too. I really do. So if you want to learn more about my friend and comedian, Missy Hall, you can find her all over social media. She also does a really fun date night where you can listen in on two comedians because her husband's a comedian also on Facebook Live. And the two of them have a date night on Tuesdays. You can get more of Missy and laugh with her and her husband in everyday life and circumstances. We love your feedback. And I know you love Missy because you tell me all the time. But if you'd like to respond to how your exhaling with cancer, strategies that you're using, we love to share them. So you can go to the Comedy Cures Foundation, comedycures.org, hit the contact menu, or go to the podcast section and actually record a message to me. I really listen to them and read them all. They are so inspiring to me. I feel like you're sharing a part of yourself with me too. So have a blessed day and I'll see you tomorrow. If you loved today's episode, then tell the world. Why? Because Beating Cancer Daily and our membership circle are both a listener and donor-supported experience. So the more people you tell and the more people that join us, the more robust and interesting programs our nonprofit, the Comedy Cures Foundation, can bring to you throughout the year. I really want you to go to ComedyCures.org. And of course, I always want you to make a donation. It's tax deductible to the extent allowed by law. But what's super exciting is not only can you laugh and explore the comedy there, you can look at our membership levels and find the one that's great for you. And if you're feeling a little bit generous, gift one to a chemo brother or sister or to a caregiver that you just want to help them improve the quality of their day. Thanks so much. See you tomorrow. Guess what time it is. It's time for me to read the disclaimer. Beating Cancer Daily and the Membership Circle are not in lieu of medical advice 
or treatment. They are for entertainment purposes only. Please consult your healthcare team to review your best strategy. Thanks for listening.